Hello folks, and happy Thanksgiving. Now in observance of the holiday, there will be no new episode this week. But since it is the giving season, I give to you an unlocked Monsters Among Us Beyond episode, previously found exclusively at patreon.com. If you like what you hear, and would like to gain access to more bonus content like this, all while helping Monsters Among Us podcast grow, head on over to patreon.com and search for Monsters Among Us podcast. Joining the $5 level will get you instant access to 60 plus hours of bonus content. Content like this episode, Monsters Among Us Beyond, number 57. Enjoy. Welcome to Monsters Among Us Beyond, number 57. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. It is great to have you here this evening. Now I have a slew of spooky and unsettling calls to share with you this evening. And, since I have very little in the way of quote-unquote news to share with you, let's just dive right in. We're going to begin this evening with an entry out of the Golden State of California. Please join me in welcoming Casey to the program. Hey, what's going on, Derek? My name's Casey. I lived in California for my entire life. I was born out here, went to school out here, and I thought I would call in today and just uh, tell you the story of something that I've been experiencing for my entire life. It's a mystery for me, and certainly something I've been trying to get to the bottom of, but I don't know that I ever will. I happen to know that this same sort of phenomena is experienced by many people in the U.S. and the regions where they live, even worldwide. There's apparently places around the world where people hear this uh, anomalous sound. I'm sure that maybe some of the, the listeners already know what I'm talking about. I, like, I'm positive. Basically, the Internet seems to agree that in the U.S. they're called lake guns. There's also a term called mistpofer. It's a European, uh, it's a word from European language, so I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But these sounds are like the sounds of cannons, basically. They sound like cannons, sound like a very large explosion. Where I live, the sound seems to be a little bit different, and I only hear the base of these explosions, like the very low end of the audio spectrum of these explosions. And as I've been paying attention over the years, I've come to find that these sounds originate from the ground. All right. So it's really interesting. It happens all times during the year, usually in the summer months, like spring, summer, fall. I've never really noticed it on very hot days, but I have noticed it a fair amount on you know warm days, clear days. But then in there again, you spend more time outside when it's clear, right? So... I can't say if it actually happens on rainy days or not. Um, but yeah, growing up, I heard this sound a lot. I never really had the life experience to understand how anomalous it truly was. And then as I got older, I started to experience it with friends. I'm going to share two of those stories because they're pretty interesting. My friends were pretty shocked when they put two and two together and actually started experiencing it for themselves. But everybody that I've talked to in the town, I mean, I haven't brought it up to everybody or anything, but people always seem to bring up two things there's a somehow there's a mine you know where they're mining like gold or something underneath the ground somewhere nearby and they're using dynamite that's what people say and then also 
that there's a military test range somewhere, and I'm hearing bombing happening, right? There's no military test range from what I can tell on Google. There's definitely no mines where, you know, people are right underneath the city, like, using these giant explosions and chain explosions, just literally, like, blasting caverns into the underworld. (laughs) Like, it's just, there's just no way. There's too many explosions over too many years, you know, like, like, we'd be living in hollow earth if that was really the case. People have even said that I've been hearing these sounds originating from Nevada, which is quite a long ways away, all right? So I live in Amador County, which is an hour east of Sacramento. You can follow Highway 16 to the east out of Sacramento, and you'll make your way straight into the county. There's a highway that goes into the mountains called Highway 88, and you can take it all the way up there, and you're going to hear these sounds going up the hill. I've never heard them very high up in the forest where we have a lot of granite rocks or anything like that. I haven't ever heard them up there, but I haven't spent an awful lot of time up there. I spent more time down in the foothills, so maybe they do happen. But generally, between the, the small town of Pioneer and Jackson is where I spent a lot of my time, and I've definitely heard these sounds quite a lot in that area, all right? So the first story I had to share, like I said, when I was a kid, I never really put two and two together. And then when I was like 17 years old, I was hanging out with my friends from high school a lot more. And one of my best friends, he lived at the bottom of a canyon. If you look at Jackson in Amador County on Google Maps, on the southeast side of the town, you'll follow Highway 49 out of the town. And there's a, uh, a road called Middle Bar. And it's pretty pretty famous road amongst the locals. It's kind of a sketchy road. It's a one-lane road, and it goes straight off into, like, the cuts, as we call them, right? So my buddy used to live way at the bottom of the hill down there. And where the hills come together, he was right at the bottom of the canyon. And I remember one night we were out there chilling. The sun was going down. We were kind of waiting for the stars to come out. And I was hearing this phenomenon, these explosions. And I was like, hey, man, what is that? And we started listening. And... That was the real time when I started understanding it was coming from in the earth because we were down there at the bottom of this canyon and I'm I'm trying to figure out where the sound is coming from. So I'm like pointing my ears down the canyon and like because it sounds like it's coming from maybe on that side and then we realize it's coming from right beneath us. Like we're looking between our feet at the ground when we're trying to like orient where the sound is coming from. And again, it could be a single explosion like boom, you know, or it could be like a chain of explosions like boom 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 you know and like some of them will be louder than others and all you're hearing is the bass and so you know the only thing that i can really do other than you know my terrible impersonations of these sounds is uh, to try to explain to anybody who shot handguns like if you shoot like a nine millimeter it has kind of a crack right but then when you shoot a 45 it has a pop it has this like concussive sort of a like kick to it And that's the feeling that I get from it, this concussion. And you're hearing, like I say, only the lowest portion of the audio spectrum, the base of this event. And it has to be massively powerful. I mean, I try to wrap my mind around the distance and how, you know, extrapolate how much energy it must be. uh, It must, you know, be, you know, comprised of in order for me to hear it at the level that I'm hearing it. And it's just, it's pretty remarkable. So my friend's pretty spooked. I'm, I'm pretty spooked. We figured out it's coming from underneath the ground. That's it for that encounter. But I did have another very good friend who grew up up here in Amador County and I had been hanging out with him. I knew him for years. One day I was like thinking to myself when we were hanging out talking, I was like, Hey, did you, have you ever heard those explosions out here? Have you ever heard like any like explosions in the ground and stuff like that? And, you know, he told me, no, he had never really experienced that. And I thought that was really strange because he grew up out here. His family's from out here. I was like, yeah, that's kind of weird. You know, I hear these explosions sometimes because he's a good friend. I knew he wasn't going to think I was crazy. But uh, I was over at his house not too long after that in the middle of the afternoon. And this event was happening just kind of sporadically during that day, as it does many days. And we were sitting on his porch having a beer or something and we started hearing this explosive sound and this time it's kind of coming from the east again outside like we were in jackson itself and this was kind of coming from the east again but it sounded like it was coming in the direction of what we call butte mountain out here it's not really a mountain but it's a it's a feature in the land where there's like one single hill it kind of looks like a a little small mountain it's I, i guess it's actually a butte or something like that right but it has a cell tower on top of it so it sounded like it was coming from that direction and again like directly horizontal like it's not coming from the sky and 
we were sitting there just kind of listening to it on his porch. Granted, the house was in between us and where it was coming from, so we couldn't really be sure. But that was his first experience with it. Then later on, I mean, he had a job up at the top of the hill. There's a place to the west of Jackson called Sutter Hill. Basically, when you're going to go to Jackson, you have to like drive over a hill and go into the town and so there's like this long drop in the highway as you're coming into town and on top of that hill there's a bunch of uh you know of course there's a bunch of houses and stuff up there the view is pretty nice and so we were on um argonaut lane which is a pretty popular it's a pretty well-known road it's got a pretty nice view looking east and we're walking down so we can see the entire region just like laid out in front of us when you're at the top of the hill walking down you know middle of the day you know, one in the afternoon, sunny, beautiful day, clear. We're walking down Argonaut Lane and we're just talking to each other. Like I say, houses on either side. It's a nice residential area. And we're just kind of enjoying this view and we hear this boom, we hear this, we hear this freaking late gun, right? This thing just boom, boom, you know, and like uh we both kind of like we're like, whoa, there it is. And then the dog started barking at the same time. And this was, I really like to hear it in these kind of areas where it's very clear because you could feel the concussion like in your bones. You could feel it like in your chest when you're walking, even though it's so far away. I mean, you're looking down onto this landscape and, you know, clear bluebird day. You're looking down, you know, onto the hills and hills and it's just going, you can see for miles. And then you hear this sound and it's like touching you, you know, like that's powerful. It's a very powerful sound. There's no way that it could be something from under the ground, like mines or, you know, if it was a bomb, it would be like a really crazy bomb. And you'd have to be a little bit closer to feel that. You know what I mean? It just doesn't add up the amount, like the energy versus distance, you know, that it just doesn't add up that calculation. So that's what makes it anomalous for me anyway. Thank you very much for the podcast. Uh, if anybody else has heard about it, uh, that would be cool to hear from somebody. But hopefully you guys enjoy it. If you guys want to experience it for yourself, come out here during the spring, summer. You know, like I say, Highway 16 east out of Sacramento, Amador County, and Jackson. And you guys will be able to experience it for yourself. So thank you very much. Take it easy. Thank you, Casey. He's right, you know. This sort of thing has been reported and recorded all over the globe. And the phenomena goes by many names, in addition to the handles that Casey offered up. Skyquakes, Seneca guns, the buzz, the hum. The sound comes in as many forms as it does names. And it's not a new phenomena either. Some of the legends surrounding these mysterious sounds date back to the early 1820s. And in 1978, a series of these mysterious sounds worked their way up the east coast of North America, finally settling in a bizarre event we now call the Bell Island Boom. Sunday, April 2nd, 1978. 12-year-old Darren Bickford was making his way home on Bell Island, a small community in Newfoundland on the east coast of Canada. I was outside riding my pedal bike, and I knew one of my favorite shows came on television at 11. So I was pedaling back home. As I approached the end of our driveway, all the birds stopped chirping, all the dogs stopped barking. It just went so still. And then it was boom, like a shotgun blast, followed immediately by another boom, and then followed immediately after the second boom, the ground shook underneath me. It was the biggest noise I have ever heard in my life. Suddenly, something unbelievable appears right in front of Darren, a glowing ball of light. It was hovering off the ground when it appeared out of thin air, and the beautiful colors of blue made up most of the center of the ball. And outside of the blue, it was orange and yellow mixing together. And then just like that, the ball of light just disappeared into thin air. It was all over in four or five seconds. But those four or five seconds are burnt into my brain just like a roll of film. The massive explosion was heard over 60 kilometers away. Its impact wreaked havoc. People reported exploding TV sets, blue flames shooting from electrical outlets, and a strange beam of light coming from the sky. This bizarre event was dubbed the Bell Island Boom. 
Now, like with Casey's story, officials in the area had all sorts of explanations, each with their own flaws and shortcomings. Lightning, ball lightning, something called a superbolt, the Concord jet, and even a Russian radio wave weapon were all offered up as a solution. But whatever it was, it held some sort of significance, because Darren was paid a visit by some strangers not long after the event. There were these strange men. I was told they were scientists from Los Alamos, New Mexico. The Los Alamos National Laboratory built and tested the first atomic bombs. Could there be a connection? The men interview everyone involved, including Darren and Jim. I told them everything I knew, and next thing, I was more or less ordered to turn over my exhibits to gentlemen. Now, the gem referred to in that clip from the television series Weird or What was a local fire investigator that had taken samples of some of the strange phenomena. Phenomena that he claimed, in his expert opinion, could not be the result of lightning. So whatever blew up over Bell Island is a mystery to this day, as is the countless other mysterious sounds covering our planet. So thank you again, Casey, for sharing your town's noisy secret. Now, if you have a story to share, simply call our hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. And since it seemed to go over so well last time, I'm bringing back Patreon questions and comments, beginning with Ben W's. And he writes... Derek, congrats on six years. I mean this as the highest praise. You may well go down as the heir to Art Bell. Take care, Ben. Oh gosh, Ben. Shocks. I certainly hope I don't let anyone down. Those are some big shoes to fill. And thanks for the kind words. And because I have quite a few, let's do two here. The second is from Samantha S., And she writes, Absolutely love your podcast. I have not been able to get into another. This is the first podcast I have ever listened to, and it might be the only. I'm trying to get my mom to call in her experience, but she's shy. I'll keep trying. Thanks so much, Derek and Sarah. Well, thank you, Samantha, for including Sarah. She works awfully hard on the show. And as for your mother's story... I know a dirty trick that might get the story recorded. Open the voice memo app on your phone. Hit record. Set it on the table. Then ask dear old mom to tell her story. When it's all over and done, then you tell her you recorded it and ask if it can be used. I don't know if this is legal or not, but if you really want the story, there's a way to get it done. Thanks, Samantha, for writing in. And speaking of capturing stories, I'm sure Kelsey would love to have the opportunity to capture her father's story. But instead, she's here this evening to share it for us. So please, welcome Kelsey from the state of California. Hi Derek, my name is Kelsey. I live in Santa Cruz, California. But I actually grew up in Ukaipa, which is pretty close to where you are, as I'm sure you know. But I'm calling with a story that is not actually mine. It belongs to my dad. He passed about a little bit over two years ago. And if he was still alive, I would love for him to call in. But unfortunately, I have to tell it in his stead. So my dad was always kind of a a spooky person. Despite not really being interested in the supernatural, he seemed to kind of attract it. He had a lot of stories about, you know, seeing people on the side of the road or things moving around his house, phantom dogs, that kind of thing. But one story in particular always kind of stuck with me that he told me about his 20s where he was working in San Diego at the time and he was doing a lot of home repairs and drywall and that kind of thing. And when he was living with a buddy, he had this cherry wood walking stick and I never heard where the walking stick came from. Um, He may have told me, but I forgot. But it was just this, you know, this really nice walking stick that he had. And it seemed to never stay in one place. You know, not him or his friends moving it, but it would just 
um, appear in different places around the house or it would disappear for a while. And he always thought it was kind of weird. And then uh, at some point, it just, he couldn't find it anymore. It just disappeared. He didn't know what happened to it. Apparently, he didn't think too much of it. And then sometime later, he was pulling down some drywall in a house that he was working on. And he pulled down the drywall, and inside the wall was the same cherry walking stick. And every time he's told me this story, I've gotten, like, really crazy goosebumps. Um, And so I thought I would call and share. I wish I had more detail, but unfortunately, I never recorded it or anything. One thing, too, just to add about my dad, as I mentioned, I have always sought out the supernatural. You know, I listen to your podcast. I'm really into ghost stories, cryptids, all that kind of thing. And my dad just absolutely hated that stuff. And the way that fate shimmied out is that he was the one who never seemed to be able to get away from it, whereas I've never really had my own supernatural experience. So that's my story. Like everyone says, I'm very appreciative of the podcast and everyone who shares their stories here. I'm new to the podcast, but I'm looking forward to continuing listening. So thanks. Thank you, Kelsey. And thank you for sharing your father's story. And I too got the chills when you revealed the part of the stick being in the attic. Finding something where you least expect it can be extremely jarring. Especially when the supernatural is involved. So thank you again for taking the time to share. Now if y'all don't mind, I'll read a couple more of these Patreon submitted questions. Firstly, from Andrew W. who writes... I wanted to reach out and ask if another person helping with Paraweekly would keep the show from taking a break. I don't know where you would want help, and I understand saying stick me anywhere is kind of just like trying to get on, but I can learn whatever it is, as in editing, recording, etc. I'm not in your area, but if we could work through email. I'm just a big fan, and your podcast is my number one, and that show just seemed like a new take on the concept. Either way... I hope everything works out. Well, I really appreciate that, Andrew. And quite honestly, help is what we need, but I'm not even sure where to start. Uh, Essentially, it's just a lengthy process. Finding the stories, writing the stories, producing the content as in shooting, then editing, and upkeep of releasing it to the web, which takes an entire day just to output the video and get it up on the internet there. So long story short, it's just simply we made a decision. Do we want to keep devoting time into Paraweekly or do we want to keep devoting time into Monsters Among Us, which is a proven product? So like I said previously, the Paraweekly isn't going anywhere. It'll be back in some incarnation. I do appreciate the help, and if something comes up, I'll certainly reach out. Now let's move on to a ghostly legend. Dylan, out of the state of Kentucky, is back with a tale. Hi Derek, this is Dylan from Kentucky. Just wanted to call and give you guys a story of the place I used to work at. I used to work at a college, Eastern Kentucky University, and I was a custodial there. And I worked in a building where it was famous for a spirit called the Blue Lady. And supposedly she was a student at Eastern back in the 1800s. And she uh, hung herself on the top of the bell tower. So since then, she has haunted the place. Well, I had worked in that building for a year and a half. So when I first started there, I was in the bathroom cleaning and everything. And all of a sudden, the sink started to turn on one by one and then all the commodes started flushing one by one and I asked maintenance about it to see you know maybe it was a mechanical problem and they said they normally don't do that normally it's just one commode or one sink will turn on you know on a out of a dime so yeah that happened and then I was in the auditorium where she's uh, supposedly be seen the most I was in the auditorium when we was cleaning and I felt like this spider web was all around my head and I was trying my best to get it off and I could not get it off. And once I left the room and walked upstairs to the main floor, it went away. It was just odd 
I tried to explain it to the guy that I worked with, and he's like, yeah, he's like, that's happened to me several times. And he used to work in the building all alone, so he experienced a lot of things. And then also on the campus, there is the Sullivan Hall, which used to be a hospital at one point in time um, where they held little children. And my wife stayed there while she was trying to get her nursing degree. And she would say that she would hear little kids running down the hall, laughing and talking. And she said that one time she had her shoes outside of her dorm room. And when she woke up in the morning, they was inside of her room and uh, there was nobody on that hall except her and her roommate. So she's experienced some things on the campus. It's a very scary place. And you can look this up on history online and also there's a couple the YouTube videos uh, explaining the history of these hauntings. So I hope everybody can enjoy it. It was just really creepy, and I just wanted to share it. Thank you for your time. Love the podcast. Take care. Thanks, Dylan. I swear every school in the Midwest has their own ghostly legend. Every single one of them. Well, at least I can say I've yet to find one to prove me wrong. And Dylan, your tale is equally as creepy as most that I've heard. So a big thank you for taking the time to share with us. Now let's move on to another Patreon question. This one from Ian R. Hey, I hope you're well. I wondered if you're ever stuck for roundtable things to watch. I have a suggestion which could be either brilliant or terrible. That sounds like each and every episode. Have you guys seen the Parapod movie? It's a British podcast movie. Very believer versus skeptic type of thing. Very funny. Lots of dicking around. To levels that border on bullying at times. I'd love to hear your guys' take on it. Plus, it's a podcast that did a movie, so it's interesting from that point of view. I guess it would only feel like a bad idea if everyone hated it. But I suspect it'll be a mixed bag. Let me know what you think. Cheers for all the hard work, Ian. Well, Ian, I'll certainly put it in the carousel of ideas. I'd never heard of this documentary, but uh, anytime a podcast decides to make a film, I take my hat off and salute them because they are crazy. And apparently they love giving money away, because that's what making a film is. Anyway, I digress. Uh, The way it works is we each take turns. Uh, I don't know whose turn it is now, but I know it's not mine, but I'll certainly put this one in there, so thank you again for sharing the suggestion and the next one is from Sam T and they write hey would you consider doing a construction site themed episode my extended family is in the construction field and have mentioned a lot of odd things occurring well Sam that's a pretty good idea these themed episodes they sort of began as a gimmick for me to kind of milk certain stories out of the audience I believe it was military that I started with And I was looking for military stories for some reason. And I thought, well, if I announce a special episode, people on the fence might be more inclined to call in. So I realize I'm giving away my secrets here, but this will be a Patreon-only episode, so I don't mind sharing with you guys. That said, construction work certainly could work. So I'll throw that in my carousel as well. Now let's move on to another story. And this one is this week's rebuttal. And two comes to us from a familiar voice. Please welcome in from the state of Pennsylvania. Back to the program. Hi. um, A little while ago, we'll call me Anne just for anonymity. I love the show and I drive delivery right now, so I listen while I work. Um, And I'm behind. I don't know if you can use this or not, but I got very excited by season six episode 18 and the were deer because I am a practicing pagan and that's been a scene in paganism and has been seen and kind of honored from the dawn of time dating all the way back to paleolithic times it's like the worship of deer and of like deer entities or deities many shapeshifters one is Dal or Dolly from Georgia. She is a goddess of the forest and is known to shapeshift into deer. Another is a Paleolithic deity from 
Britain, I believe, who was a reindeer goddess worshipped by shamanic people way, way back when human beings were still, you know, hunter-gatherers and migrating with the deer. You know, then you have Artemis and Diana who are highly associated with deer, um, though I don't know if they shapeshift or not. And you have Kronunos, which I hope I'm saying right, who is a Celtic deity, um, and he is a horned god and the god of the forest and wild beasts. So this whole idea is very, very old, and I think you played a YouTube clip about Native American legends of a deer woman, and I hadn't heard of those, but I wanted to kind of add on it's useful that that is a concept that dates back to uh, Europe and Asia Minor as well from the time when deer were basically a life source of mankind you know everything from meat to clothing to following herds and learning how to avoid the harsh seasons with the deer it's steeped in our history and so I thought that that was really cool and you know, whether or not you believe that these things exist and can appear is 100% personal. I do. <laughs> and if he actually saw that happen, I am eternally jealous because I do worship one of these deities and wanted to share that there is quite a bit of history and mythology around deer and the the magic that they possess and their um, love and protection by higher beings, as well as shape-shifting. So, hope that's useful. If not, I hope it was at least interesting for you to hear, if you didn't know. Um, have a good day. Bye. Thank you, Anne, for calling in. I believe that uh, that story's aged a bit since season 6, episode 18, I believe she said. We've since talked about the not-deer which is a fairly new phenomenon I'm not uh, totally familiar with. Essentially, back east, uh, Midwest somewhere, there's deer that are in disguise. You know, there's some sort of other entity. Uh, not Wendigo or shapeshifters or skinwalkers. It's something completely different. So I'll do a little digging, and I know I have a few calls on the subject, so hopefully I'll try to work in uh, that subject into this season somewhere. It's certainly fascinating, and as Ann mentioned, it goes back a millennia. Thanks for the rebuttal, Ann. And our next Patreon submitted question comes to us from Juan V, and he writes, Hi Derek, really big fan. I have a question about doppelgangers. Do you know if they involve time slips? Well, Juan, if I'm completely honest with you. Is there really a big difference between a doppelganger and a time slip? If you're truly seeing the other person in a multiple form, or someplace that they couldn't be, is that not some form of time slip? What I'm saying here is this may be a phenomenon that's more of a gray area. Time slips, doppelgangers, glitch in the matrix, that sort of thing. It could all be part of one phenomena or a symptom of phenomena. By calling it a certain thing, we've divided up this phenomena. I don't know. I'm not a doppelganger professional, but that's my initial thought there. And the next one comes to us from Alexandria S. And they say, How about asking for people to send in their weird stories that don't quite fit under the usual categories? The unexplained stuff that isn't cryptozoological or aliens nor ghosts. Maybe they're glitch in the matrix stories. Thank you, Alexandria, for the suggestion, but if I'm honest, I'm not real sure I need it. I have so many entries that seem to fit this bill that simply don't fit in any known category. I don't know what to do with them. Typically, they find their way into the secret entry in the main show. But there's plenty of them. But you're right, those make for great entries. So I hope they keep flowing. Now, speaking of great entries, how about a Ouija story? This next one comes to us from, I believe, Slice. The name's hard to hear. Either way, the floor is yours. Hello. Just recently found your podcast, kind of binge listening. I went from episode one to, like, season six in a week. It's 
kind of bad. But um, hearing all these stories, I've had a few come back to me. My name is, well, my friends call me Slice. The first one I would like to share, and I know you disapprove of Ouija boards, was the first time I, and only time, I ever touched one. So I was 16, fresh on summer break, hanging out with a buddy of mine who was a couple years older, out of high school. Uh, him and his mom had just moved here from Texas to Colorado. Uh, they were living in Littleton. And, well, we were doing what teenagers do, getting rowdy and crazy. And we went back to his place to just kind of hang out and unwind somewhere around like 11 o'clock at night. Now, his place was fairly new apartment. And so we, we really knew that there was nothing creepy or crazy there. They only been built within the last two years at the, this point in time, some eight years ago. So we pulled out the Ouija board. We were all bored and had nothing better to do, you know, smoking a little oregano, swapping stories, getting to know each other better. I had just met a couple of the people he was hanging out with at the time. The four of us sat down and now when I tell you I didn't talk to anybody about this person ever, ever, I mean never. Nobody knew. Even my buddy Alex, who was my absolute best friend at the time, had no idea. That's important to see why. So I was barely touching the little whatever you want to call it, cursor, glass, whatever. And when I say barely touching, I mean I had three fingers towards it, and the corner of it was tickling my fingers. I, I was touching it so lightly. So we're sitting there, and we're, you know, going through the usual questions. Anybody there? Want to talk to us? Blah, 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 blah. After about five minutes, the damn thing starts moving. And we ask for the name. It spells out the name of someone I knew in childhood. Well, I thought it was odd, but I just kind of dismissed it. And so then we asked, how did you die? And it spelled out crash. And I thought that was really weird because the last time I'd heard from this person, or about this person, I should say, I heard that she was in a really nasty car crash. So at this point, I'm just kind of weirded out, and I took my hand off. And then they asked who this person was there to talk to, and it spelled out my real name, which none of them knew. I, I'm notorious for going by aliases. At this point, I could not handle the uncanny resemblances and stood up, walked outside to go smoke a cigarette because I was just freaked. And my buddy's mom comes walking out because they were living together still. Comes walking out. She asks if everything's okay because she had seen me tearing up. Kind of a weird story there, but that's definitely not anything that you want to hear about. So she checks up on me and, you know, asks, what was that about and I kind of give her the background on this person that I knew once upon a time that you know best best I knew died in a car crash and so she was like well do you remember anything anything other than the first day than her first name and I no not at all so we kind of left it that fast forward like five hours give or take this was right this, at this point this conversation ended right about midnight and we all kind of went to bed a half hour later. I woke up somewhere right around 5 a.m. The sun was just peeking over the horizon. Just enough light to be able to see in the room. And I felt daggers from somebody's eyes just digging into my soul. Somebody was, I felt like somebody was sitting there glaring at me. And I kind of sat halfway up from my spot on the the air mattress that me, Alex, and his mom shared when we were hanging out because they didn't have any furniture quite yet. It literally just been there a couple months. 
but I turn my head and I'm looking around, looking around, and I see someone standing there. Now, mind you, the other two people who were there was a short white girl and a skinny African-American kid. Alex himself is, you know, average build and he's of Hispanic descent. Definitely not any one of those three. But so, standing behind the reclining chair, one of the only pieces of furniture in the whole house, was this Caucasian guy, big brown glasses, and real heavy set. I mean, three, four hundred pounds. Oh, the chair was about three and a half feet tall. He was standing about two feet over the top of it. So I'd say he was at least five, seven. And I could see the counter through him, you know, the, the kitchen counter behind where he was standing. I could, I could see the white countertop through his chest. And I blinked and rubbed my eyes, kind of slapped myself once, and then looked again, and he was gone. Never saw him again. Never played one of those stupid boards again either. I hope it's useful for you. Like I said, I got more stories. I'll uh, be calling back. Keep doing what you're doing. It's fantastic. At 20 episodes a season, in six seasons... Uh, it's roughly 120 episodes you listen to in a week. Damn, Slice. That's too much, Monsters Among Us. But man, we're glad you're a supporter. Anyway, let me clarify a bit about the Ouija board. Slice had mentioned that uh, I'm not a fan of them. Quite the contrary, I love them. I think they're beautiful pieces of artwork. I love the history, I love the culture, I love the lore behind the board I don't necessarily believe they're a gateway to the other side however only because of the multiple times I've experimented with them if you want to call it that I've yet to experience my own contact from the other side so until that day I'm highly highly skeptical that's not going to stop me from having a handful in my office here thanks again for sharing that call and let's pop back in with our Patreon listeners and their submitted questions. And this next one comes to us from Brittany Gay. She writes, Hi everyone. I was curious if anyone remembers what episode it was where a male caller told a story about a road trip. If I'm remembering it correctly, he was driving and then noticed that the road had changed. They were painted differently. Then he encountered a car that was a make and model he had never seen before and the headlights moved back and forth. I'm just going down an alternate reality timeline slash Mandela effect rabbit hole, hopefully just metamorphically speaking, and would like to listen to it again. Thanks. Well, Brittany, I know the story you're talking about. Uh, It's about the Tucker 300. It was a man somewhere in the Midwest, the Plain States, I believe, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri. This is future Derek. I actually did a little digging and found out that we're talking about Ray's story from Missouri, which was featured in Season 10, Episode 8. So go check that out now. Well, I did a little search, Brittany, but I wasn't able to find that one quickly, but it's a pretty popular call. I'm sure somebody out there will comment where this is. Hey, you know, this brings this up yet again. I really need some sort of database. Some sort of record of what each call was on each episode. So when someone asks, we can simply look and refer them straight directly to the episode. Who's got that kind of time? Until those magical fairies show up and do that work for me. We'll just keep guessing and we'll see what we can do about getting you that information, Brittany. Now this next one's pretty short, so I'll squeeze it in before the next call. And it comes to us from Joshua P. Hey, there was a story a couple episodes back about a couple working on an old airplane in Houston and encountering a six-foot bird with a human face inside. I think the culprit could have been a harpy eagle. Check them out. At a distance, I can totally see someone thinking it's taller than it really is, 
and the face is eerily human-like when looking straight on. Allow me to Google this. I'm actually familiar with the RB Eagle, but I'd never thought of it as a culprit for a cryptid sighting. But if you Google it, you can certainly see that the face is strange. The feathers in the back of the head sort of ruffle out and give it a more oval-shaped head. A few wild feathers on the top make it look like ears or tufts of hair. And I'm not going to lie, this thing is huge. Standing, it's probably at least two feet. I threw an image up in the show notes. Have a look, let me know what you think. And if you're wondering, I did do a check to see if they are indigenous to the area. And although it seems like they are not... They are indigenous to other parts of the Gulf Coast. So I suppose it's possible. Anyway, let's move on to our next entry. And this one comes to us from an amongst winner. Please welcome David from Massachusetts back to the program. Hello, Derek, Addy, and friends. My name is David, and I live just a few miles west of Boston, Mass. I've been a chauffeur for the past 15 years and have done thousands of rides. The following is something that happened late one night back in the fall of 2014. It was around the midnight hour and I had just picked up a businesswoman at Logan Airport and was simply taking her home to Wayland, Mass. Given the fact this was the last ride of my night and that I also lived in the same neck of the woods was a very beautiful thing considering I knew the area like the back of my hand. I was almost to her house as we were driving down Route 30 towards the intersection of Rice Road and Oak Street when I looked in my rearview mirror and noticed she had her eyes closed and maybe had fallen asleep. It was right then something caught my eye down the road about a quarter of a mile in front of me over to the right up a slight hill in a very wooded residential area. Out of nowhere, I saw the strangest green light I've ever seen in my life. The best way I could describe it is it was very translucent and filmy looking, like you could kind of see through it. It appeared at ground level through the wooded area and grew towards the sky in a very uniform V-shaped fashion, moving slowly upwards to about 300 feet in the sky. It only took about five seconds to do this, and then In a blink of an eye, it was gone, never making any kind of sound. I was like, what the hell was that? I then looked to notice my passenger had just started to wake up and was slowly opening her eyes. I really wish she had been able to see it, just as a witness of sorts. As soon as I dropped her off a few minutes later, I drove over to Rice Road, looking to see if I could see anything unusual. I went up and down that road twice and I didn't see or hear anything. When I got out of work about one hour later, I decided to stop by the Wayland Police Station and ask them if anybody else had reported seeing it. To my disappointment, no one had. After describing it to the police, they said maybe it was fireworks, maybe it was a transformer blowing up. My feeling was no way because it made no noise and it started at ground level, rising up again in a perfect V-shaped kind of way. Living so close to where I saw this happen, I've never seen it again. I've even asked the occasional whaling cop the same question, and nothing else has ever been reported, even close to it. I just wonder what it was, and if anyone else has had a similar experience, it would be great to hear. (laughs) Thank you so much, Derek and Addie, for everything you do. Monsters Among Us rocks. Thanks, David, as always. You know, it's ironic. This is one of the few times where this actually sounds like swamp gas. A green mist floating up from a swampy area. Although I'm not real sure that swamp gas is actually green. I believe that's a television thing. Either way, hopefully, now that this call has been played, somebody else had seen something similar in the same area. I love when that happens. Until then, thanks again, David.
Now, our next Patreon submit a question is a two-parter. From Amahia, I think I'm saying the name correctly. And the first part is in response to our Rewind episode with the guys from Hysteria 51, Brent Hand and my buddy David Flora. I like this format as a spinoff. It would be fun to see you do this, only include a Patreon fan, or any fan. Interesting idea. I'll be sure to put that in my back pocket. Where will I find a sucker willing to sit down with me for three hours to record one of these? Anyway, also from Mahia, I'm a Hoosier. (laughs) My grandparents always said it came from the old days when much more of Indiana was covered in forest and people would say, Who's there? Which sounded like, Who's there? Or Hoosier. Interesting, I never heard that one before. That kind of gives it a creepy context, if you let it. I'd always heard, and this probably isn't correct, but it's probably Buckeye lore, that a Hoosier was defined as a useful idiot. No offense to the fine folks of the state of Indiana. But as a Buckeyes fan, I got a kid. Well, let's move right along to our second to last entry this evening. And this one comes to us from Brooke in the state of Virginia. Hey there, my name is Brooke. I'm from Virginia, but the story takes place in Okinawa, Japan, on Kadena Air Base. So, my husband at the time was working nights, or swing shift rather, and uh, that's between like 3 p.m. and like sometimes as late as 1 or 2 a.m. So, I would usually try to stay up and greet him when he got home from work. And we had two dogs, so I would usually end up walking them one last time around midnight, just so that they had all their bases covered and all that. (laughs) Anyways, uh, one night I was walking down the center of the road because there wasn't really a sidewalk in the area that I lived in. So I was walking down the middle of the road trying to get my dogs to their favorite potty spot and I started hearing whistling. Now I'm in base housing, so there's like tons of other people around me potentially, but most didn't seem to work night. So there wasn't like people coming and going at all hours because the, the next shift usually comes in before the previous shift lets out. So if my husband's getting off at one, the next would come in probably 12, 1230-ish. And there wasn't anybody like driving around in my neighborhood. No one else walking their dogs in the middle of the street at night like me. So anyways, the base is full of like old bunkers from like World War II. The Japanese and Okinawan forces, you know, just hunkered in preparing for American raids and all that. So there were a lot of Japanese casualties all around the base, all around the neighborhood I lived in, just all over the place. So I am under the impression that I was potentially being followed by maybe a ghost since no one was around at the time. But anyways, this whistling followed me for probably a good two and a half, three miles, just because at at a certain point I started getting a little pissed off that somebody was following me. And I'm not a small woman. I'm about 5'10" close to 200 pounds like I'm 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 a big girl I'm gonna fight you (laughs) and at the very least I'm gonna confront you so I wanted to get to the brightest point that I knew and that was sort of near the base golf course and I get down there and the whistling is just like like somebody's just like whistling at me it was absolutely insane and I turn around once I get into the bright area and like the whistling sounds close enough that I should be able to see somebody at this point there's no trees there's no jungly portions of base to assume they were hiding in they should be out in the open and there was no one at this point one of my dogs looks like she's about to like jump out of her own skin and I just start booking it home pretty much But yeah, that's not the only incident of weird paranormal activity that I had while on that base. But that is probably my favorite story. Thank you for listening. Have a uh, great rest of your day. Bye. Thanks, Brooke. Now, oddly enough, 
the story rings a bell. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but there was something out of Japan that had to do with ghosts and whistling. Now, I know there's some other legends in Central and South America, and I think Africa, but this was a Japanese legend specifically. So I quickly took to Google before I began speaking about Brooks' call. And that's where I relearned that uh, whistling was a form of communication for bad guys traveling on the roads and trails in Japan. You know, highwaymen, murderers, thieves, that kind of thing. And in the night, they would whistle back and forth, communicating when their next mark was in place or where the rendezvous point might be. Well, the legend is now, at least with my interpretation, is that these bad folks have passed on but haven't necessarily moved on. They're still roaming the trails and roads of Japan, whistling at night in search for friend, foe, or their next victim. So it's a good thing, Brooke, that you didn't spend any extra time out there. You might have got a history lesson you weren't ready for. Thanks again for sharing the entry. Our next question is concerning Monsters Among Us Beyond number 54, and comes to us from Aubrey B. And she writes, Hey, I have an answer for Alyssa. So if you go to the subreddit called Crawlers, there are numerous accounts of multiple humanoid-looking things that are white and could be described as ape-like. I think they are seen all over the place, but it's not super common. I know Derek has talked about crawlers before, but the crawlers I was familiar with are usually white and are on all fours. Sometimes they are standing up. Also, Derek, if you need someone to help go through your calls, I have a good amount of experience going through personal paranormal accounts and so on. Feel free to send me a message if you want. Well, I truly appreciate that offer, but if I'm quite honest, I got a tight grip on that collection. You see, that's the only thing making me important in this show. I'm the keeper of the stories. You can't get rid of me. But no, seriously, I do appreciate the offer. And as for these pale crawlers, she's right. There are reports of these things throughout the Midwest. And I know I've talked about them uh, quite frequently on the show, especially lately. Some of these newer cryptids that seem to be coming out are downright terrifying. Well, this next call, and our final call, is not about crawlers. But it is a story that takes place in a city I used to live in. So without further hesitation, please welcome our anonymous caller from the state of Ohio. Hi, Derek. I'm going to choose to remain anonymous. I live in Columbus, Ohio, and um, this story takes place around 2012. So I was picking my now wife up from work, and this would have taken place in the fall. So it was already dark outside, and we were going to meet some friends um, at a place north of Columbus to get some food and hang out from where... She was picking me up at to where we needed to go. We had to take 270, which is the main uh, highway that encircles Columbus. So we get onto 270, take it, and we're almost to where we need to exit off to get to the road we need to go to, to go to our location. And we both at the same time noticed something odd. So it's dark outside, but most people in the city know that it's never really dark outside, especially when you're at busy areas. And it was not terribly late, maybe 10 o'clock, and it was fairly busy. There were cars on the road, and you're on 270, which is a busy area. So it wasn't completely dark because there's that kind of violet or dark blue glow to the guy that you get in the city. And as we're getting off on the exit, we can see a completely black triangular shape, very large, in front of us and above us by about mm, 50 feet. So both of us kind of look at each other like we're sure we're seeing the same thing. And we don't really know what to do because we're on a highway. It's not like we can pull over. So where we were going, we actually had to get off the exit and then turn left and the craft was 
between where we were turning. So we could see it as we were coming up to it. And then our turn left was actually past it. So we could then still see it after we had turned. And it was definitely not easily visible, but visible enough that we were all kind of trying to figure out why nobody else was seeing it or I don't know. It was just so weird. So we turn left and the craft is actually going in the same direction that we are. And since there's a lot of lights on the road that we were on, this thing was going pretty slow. So we were basically going about the same pace as it with the lights that we kept hitting. We were pretty much side by side with this thing for another hundred yards at least. And then all of a sudden it just disappeared. It wasn't like we saw it go off in a streak or anything like that. Like it seemed to just accelerate. It just disappeared. So we both kind of tried to collect ourselves and we're trying to figure out, okay, do we see the same thing? The one thing that stands out to me is we both had phones with cameras on them. I mean, it wasn't like this took place a crazy amount of time ago. So neither one of us thought, oh, we should pull out my phone and take a picture of it. That was not even like on our minds at all. We both knew it was odd, but at the same time, we were definitely not reacting as if it was as odd as it was. So the things that stuck out to me the most were that this thing was just completely black and it seemed to have lights, but at the same time, they didn't seem to give off light. Uh, It looked like there were a light on each corner of the triangular object and the object almost went the width of 270. So it was pretty large. That's about four lanes of traffic, both sides of both directions at that point. So very large, one light on each corner and a light in the center. And I guess I assumed them to be lights, but again, it wasn't like there you could see beams of light coming to the ground, but they did seem to be giving off some sort of light because otherwise how would, would we have seen them? Um, and they looked white. But to this day, my wife, every time I bring this up, does not want to talk about it. She was pretty freaked out by the whole experience. I feel like I've had some other strange things happen to me in my life, and so maybe I was less freaked out by the whole thing. But hope this is something that you could use for the show. Really enjoy it. Really enjoy you giving people the platform to share their stories and feel a little bit better about the weirdness of of life. Thanks, Derek. Bye. Thanks, caller. I'm as happy as people are to have a place to share their stories. I'm twice as happy that they're here to share them. When I started this show, I had no idea that I would receive so many calls. Now, I knew everyone had a story, because almost everyone does. Some paranormal event of some sort, if they really think about it but not everyone is willing or able to talk about theirs. And sometimes, uh, they do it anyway, and you can hear it in their voice. You can hear the conviction and the fear, and that's probably what makes this show so special. The emotion. And you can hear the emotion in our caller's uh, entry here. You can tell he was unsettled. You could tell that his wife was upset. And having grown up in that area and lived in Columbus specifically for a number of years, I can tell you the area is fairly wide open. It's flat. There's not a lot of uh, hills and large buildings, that sort of thing, to obscure your view. So a lot of people should have seen this thing. Should have been on the news. So the fact that it wasn't makes it even more intriguing to me. And I should point out that the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is probably 90 miles away, if that. So a lot of elements here to add to this mystery soup. And we thank you, caller, for sharing the main ingredients. And before we duck out of here, I have one more entry uh, submitted over Patreon. And this one from Gabe S., And this also is in reference to Monsters Among Us Beyond number 54. 
Make sure to tell James that when he sages his place to remember to leave some windows or a door open so whatever you want to leave can get out. Dead on, Gabe. And I myself will admit that I often forget to include advice like that. And sometimes I feel like I've said it so many times that I don't need to say it again. But as Gabe mentions, sometimes the details can be really important. So I want to thank all of my callers for this evening. And I want to thank everyone that wrote in a message. Because that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us Beyond is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And the terrifying score that you hear, well, it's Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.AG Music, and Carl Casey and White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for the support. And until next time.